You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 60. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mother Good Podcast. We have a really special guest today, April, who does prenatal, postnatal yoga, and I was honored to take some of her classes when I was pregnant with my first daughter. And she also, um, you know, she just is starting this virtual yoga. And she also taught yoga at our conference already two years ago. It was in 2019. And little did we know that that was the last year, 2019, we were able to hold an in-person conference. But April did teach yoga at our conference two years ago. So we were really honored to have her there. If uh, you know, if you would like to get our weekly podcast automatically sent to your phone, just hit the subscribe button. And then also, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating. And we are now recording video to our podcast. I know it's a little new still, but we are also linking the video portion in the show notes if you want to see the video portion. And then what's really unique about this episode is that in the last you know 10 to 20 minutes, April is actually going to go through a yoga session with me. And so if you want to follow along on the video portion, I will link just the yoga portion in our show notes. You can follow along uh, just for that session. It's going to be very basic. So, you know, you don't have to be overwhelmed that you don't have to have done yoga before or be really good at yoga in order to do it. It's just very basic core strengthening workout, those, those sorts of things. Uh, you know, as always, consult with your doctor if you're pregnant or postpartum uh, before doing some sort of yoga. Uh, but with that, I'd really love to welcome April. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, Emily. Well, I'm really excited, especially too, for for the yoga portion too, and also just to hear everything that you've been up to since 2020, because I know I've been following your social media page and I know you've had to go virtual with a lot of the yoga instruction since obviously, you know, there's no real explanation for 2020, we can just say (laughs) because of, you know, all the 2020 shenanigans that were happening. Uh, But for everyone who isn't familiar with you, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about yourself, your background and a little um, bio. Yeah, awesome. So my name is April and I am the founder of Unfold Yoga, which is transitioning into a new version of itself, which is Unfold Motherhood and Wellness. And I teach prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga. I'm a birth doula, a childbirth educator, a placenta encapsulation specialist. And I've been doing this for 10 years. I got into it because of my first um, pregnancy. And I just kind of fell in love and I wanted to empower other women on their journey. Um, since 2020, I've definitely transitioned a lot. So I'm creating my first online course and it's been a pretty massive undertaking. It is prenatal yoga, childbirth education, and meditation with live coaching. So essentially, I'm going to get to doula a lot more pregnant people than my normal one-on-one client. So that's kind of where I am now. I'm still offering in-person classes at a local park across the street from my studio. So I still get some interaction there, but it's it's been an adventure and I just keep diving a little deeper into the birth world all the time. So you mentioned that you started doing yoga 10 years ago uh, when, with the birth of your child. What drew you to yoga in particular around the time that you were pregnant and postpartum? What, what sort of drew you into, uh, I guess, just starting it and then also continuing to do it? So I had always liked yoga, but I was more of an athlete. So I would practice it here and there. My mom was actually really into yoga and and I liked it. I liked the calming effect, I think more than anything. And I would pick it up and I was really regular and then I would drop it for a while and I would come back to it and remember why I loved it. And I had been away from the practice for probably a good year and a half. And I was pregnant with my first and I thought, you know, I should try prenatal yoga. And it wasn't as popular um, or easy to find as it is now. 
So I had to really scour to find a class. I found one class and it was right at the end of my work day. So I had to actually leave work early to rush to my prenatal yoga class. And I really loved it. And I knew pretty quickly that I wanted to teach prenatal yoga. And I loved my teacher and I just took her class for my entire pregnancy. But I was really bummed that I could only do it once a week and that there were only three, four other people in the class. So I connected with them and we kind of created our own community, but I just wanted more. So I knew I wanted to teach prenatal yoga. And then I I went into the birth of my baby thinking, I do yoga, I work out, I took a class and I read some books, I'm fine. Like this is a normal process. Though deep down, I thought I was gonna die. Like I thought I was literally going to die. Um, it was terrifying. And I had the most medical experience because it was an induction and I didn't ask the right questions. And I came really close to having a C-section and then postpartum was really hard as well. And there were actually no postpartum classes in my area that I knew of at the time. So I kind of went through postpartum alone. And when my daughter was eight months, I signed up for a teacher training I did my teacher training and then I went right into prenatal. And that's when I learned there was a whole nother world that I didn't know existed. And I took my doula training and I took my childbirth education training. And I was like, I'm going to teach prenatal yoga and I'm going to make the community that I really wish I had. And I want to say it was about a year later, I found my studio space and it, the rest is kind of history. And the reason I do it is to empower women so they don't have that experience that I had and so that they have that community through their pregnancy and through their postpartum because I know how important it is. Well, you've done a great job because in Orange County, you know, where both of us live that whenever a pregnant mom is interested in doing yoga, you're the first name that pops up, <laughs> Unfold Yoga. Yeah. So it's uh, obviously you've, you've accomplished your mission. So it sounds like listening to you that there's two aspects that that really drew you to yoga, the, the calming effect and then also the community aspect. I'd love for you to touch more on the calming effect of yoga and what are the benefits of doing yoga, you know, b- before being pregnant, while you're pregnant, postpartum, or even if you're in between children or if you've never had children, what are the benefits that you've seen from doing yoga? Yeah, so there are obviously many benefits of yoga. And I think the benefits actually change slightly depending upon the time of life that you're in. The benefit that I really think people derive the most, or that's the most necessary that we need in our society is that space that it creates. No matter what type of yoga that you're taking, you're taking time out for yourself and you're tuning in. So when we go work out of a, at a gym, there's a lot happening and we're kind of part of that. But when we go to yoga, it's just us on our mat. No one else in that space matters. And we've carved that time out for us. And we, we're, we're bombarded by so much as we go about our day. It's hard to turn off our mind. And yoga gives us that time of space to just reset and come back to ourselves. And that's important no matter where you are in the journey. Um, the benefits physically include, you know, strengthening your body, but also softening your body. And that's really important for prenatal. You know, we're always thinking like, oh, we need to get stronger. We need to Kegel more. And yes, strength is good. But if you have too much strength and too much tension, your body is actually weak. So prenatal yoga teaches us to soften and make the the body and the pelvic floor especially supple. So it can support your baby and your body throughout your pregnancy. And then, so if you do have a vaginal delivery, it's a little bit easier. It's um, not only easier for the pushing phase, but it's easier for the healing phase as well. And I think that's huge. You know, most people don't really know anything about the pelvic floor. It's my favorite topic. So I'm always sharing lots of tidbits on that. So that's why I'm smiling and nodding and saying, yes, the pelvic floor. So yes, we need to talk about it more. So I I talk about the pelvic floor a lot. And that's in all my classes. You know, I think it's important, no matter what stage you are in your life to be aware of the changes of the pelvic floor and how to make it healthy. Um, I trained with Leslie Howard a couple years ago. And 
that was really eye-opening, learning that most of us actually have tight pelvic floors and that Kegels are not necessarily the answer. And for pregnancy, prenatal yoga makes space and it makes space for your baby. So you have less aches and pains throughout your pregnancy. And if your baby has more space, your birth can be that much easier. And if you've been able to do the practice throughout your pregnancy, your healing postpartum is going to be a little bit easier as well. And then postpartum, I think the benefit of doing yoga is mental more than anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how you break it up into those different stages of life. And I I know that, you know, my long-term listeners are probably so tired of me talking about the the pelvic floor, but it's so important. And there's so much evidence-based research behind what you just said about the, the pelvic floor that you have to really stretch it and and not just keep on strengthening it and doing your Kegels. You know, we have an episode that's uh, with Dr. Betsy Caldwell. Uh, You know, you should follow her on Instagram too and check out our previous episodes on that. She does, um, we have a series, uh, four mini uh, episodes that are only like 10 to 15 minutes long where she basically talks about different aspects of the pelvic floor, pelvic breathing, pelvic floor uh, positive breathing, and then also um, why Kegels are bad for some women and actually a lot of women. And so that's really bad advice that, that they're always given to women are always given to just do your Kegels. But, uh, you know, that's one thing that I've recently become interested in yoga is for that, that stretching and that aspect of it as well. Uh, what about the, the community aspect? Because I know they, that you said in the postpartum period, that's the most important. I know a lot of us, especially after 2020 are really aching for community And you're kind of providing that too virtually. So tell us about that. Yeah. So community postpartum is, it's, it's part of your mental health. It's going to help you kind of feel like you're not insane because you're sleep deprived and your body is healing. And if it's your first, you just really have no idea like what's happening. You're in a fog. So postpartum, I think having that community to just hear what other women are going through, realizing you're not alone and having a sounding board. You know, when we had the studio and we had our baby and me classes, I would have moms tell me, "Oh, you know, I I can't leave the I can't leave the house. It's too stressful." And you know, what if the baby cries or they need like their diaper changed? And I say, "They are going to cry and they are going to need their diaper changed and it's okay. Like this is a space where you're going to do what you can and we all help each other and you're going to realize that her baby cries too and she didn't even get to do any yoga today, but she's there and she's breathing and she's spending time with other people. Um, So many times the first place that my students have come to outside of their house is yoga. And it was the first place that Mm. they felt they could come and just be as they are in their postpartum phase, messy hair, dirty shirt, and they felt safe and they felt comfortable And afterwards, they realize like, oh, it's okay if I go out in public and my baby cries, or if I'm in line at Starbucks and my baby has a blowout, like that's part of this process. And I don't think Mm -hmm. we realize that's what it's like. It's a little messy. And even virtually, you know, we're not quite the same. It's um, it's not quite the same Definitely. virtually, but we still get that combo. I wish I knew that after the birth of my daughter too, because unfortunately there is that societal pressure of not having your baby cry because people give you dirty looks if your baby cries or, you know, if you have a blowout or you're just flustered or whatnot, you know, our society, unfortunately, especially people who don't have any kids or, you know, if maybe they do have kids, but they've just never really taken care of them that much. And in the case of maybe some dads, I know dads nowadays are tend to be more involved, but um, you know, just, just in general, if, if maybe someone is a parent still not understanding uh, that it's at least for me personally, it's taken me to just not care what other people think, which is really hard to do to get over that. Uh, And then also just to speak up for yourself in public, if someone does say something to you and just not take it and or, you know, or maybe, maybe you don't have to say something, but then you just find your internal peace to let it let it go, which is also really difficult. So it's nice that you're providing that space for moms where they're not feeling judgmental, which is kind of shocking, but then relieving at the same time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure you experienced that as well um, with your child. I guess what 
for you personally helped you overcome that sense of caring what other people said and just kind of be at peace and, you know, and and provide that kind of community? Because I feel like in order for you to provide that community to all of your clients and everyone who's doing yoga with you, that you would have to come to that place yourself. So what was your thought process to arrive to that conclusion? I think of a lot, I think a lot of that is the, the very messy and challenging postpartum experience that I had. Um, I remember my older daughter, she cried all the time and she actually liked my husband better than me. <laughs> there were times where she, cause she was also colicky and she would just cry and cry. And then I'd call her and be like, you have to come home from work. Like I can't, I can't handle this. She just doesn't want anything to do with me. And he would come home and he would take her and she'd be fine. And, you know, I'd take her for a walk to Starbucks and halfway there, I would just, I couldn't go because she was crying. I was like, all my kid does is cry. Mm. I can't even take her into Starbucks. It would have been fine. I could have gone in and got my coffee with my crying baby. Who cares? Right. But I really thought it mattered. And, you know, healing from that experience and everything that came up during that experience, I think made me realize that doesn't matter. And it's important that we have a space where we realize this is motherhood and this is having a baby and it's hard and it's messy and it's loud. And everybody was a baby. Like everyone was a crying baby once. So I think that really helped me, right? It helped me have like open that space Mm -hmm. and just tell them all like it's messy and that's, that's okay. It's funny that you say that everyone's been a baby at some point, because that's, that's the most shocking thing that I've realized during motherhood is that there's so judgment, so much judgment surrounding motherhood and mothers and babies and all of this and society in general, you know, I'm just speaking generally, um, isn't that supportive of moms in the community, you know, when it comes to, you know, if your child is crying at, at the store or, you know, in Starbucks or wherever you are, but then it's literally how the human race carries on, right? So it's mm-hmm. such an important job, but then our society just is so judgmental about it. And I just, I don't know. I just think about that often since I have a five-month-old and constantly whenever I've had a baby, I'm, I'm reminded of the struggles of moms with very young children and how unaccommodating the world is and society is in general to moms and kids and especially moms of younger kids and i'm just thinking why when this is literally how the world is continuing on <laughs> it's very puzzling that is for sure um you know we are we they just reported that we have our lowest birth rate in a really really long time um maybe there's something to that you know we're not we're not supporting mothers. We're not supporting families. And who wants to have a kid when it's so hard and no one's supporting you and they expect you to do all of these things that are completely unrealistic? What are some it's, affirmations um, that you give to some of your patients then? Or patient? what do you call them? Clients, patients? I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but your students, yes. probably. <laughs> that's a better word. <laughs> but uh, yes, what, what do you tell your students? Like any words of affirmation when they are taking your class just to remind them that it's okay? Or do you say affirmation during a yoga session? Yes. So with my postpartum moms, we'll always do some sort of affirmation. So my favorite meditation or mantra for moms is peace begins with me. And mm. you, the way that we do it in class is they just kind of move their fingers. So peace begins with me. Your thumb comes to your, your um, first finger your second finger, your third finger, and then your fourth. And you just keep repeating it to yourself. Mm. And I'll have them do that at the end of class. So a lot of times they're like feeding their babies and they're just repeating that mantra over and over in their mind. And I think it's Mm. huge because when everything is Mm. chaotic, when one baby's crying and the other kid's trying to run away from you, you just got to take a breath and be like, okay, I got this. I'm calm. We're going to rein it in. Um, but we always, I always try to give them mom's mantras. I'll also do something where they make up their own mantra. So I'll have them think about mm. what they want to feel. And then they'll just put that in I am and they insert the blank. And that's their mantra mm. just to repeat to themselves as much as they need. 
I love that so much. And those are things too that we could even do throughout the day if we're not necessarily in a yoga session. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I wanted to talk to you about too, that I know that doing yoga for a lot of moms, at least a lot of moms that I've talked to, it seems a little overwhelming because you have to put aside time and it seems like there's kind of like a high barrier to entry because you have to have like this perfect environment, all the Zen, I, I don't know, at least for me personally, and then other moms that I've talked to, that's what we've always talked about. But it seems like that there's aspects of yoga, such as saying like a mantra or, you know, doing the finger thing that you were saying that can calm you during your day and also just help you be present more too to your children. So are there any other parts of yoga that you can bring to your daily life that you can kind of just do while you're nursing a baby or while you're watching your kids or maybe to calm yourself down in a situation when your kid's just screaming and, <laughs> you know, you're trying to k- you keep your cool or something like that. Yeah. So I actually think that's the real yoga. So the yoga that we do in this really Zen space where it's quiet and peaceful and tranquil and it smells nice, that is great, but we can usually only get that if we go to a studio. And right creating the yoga of motherhood, I think is really important. And it's going to look different for everyone. But the mantras, we'll write them on after on um, post-it notes. And I'll have the mom just kind of put them up where they'll see them as reminders. Breathing. So just pausing to take some deep breaths. We tend to breathe really shallow into our chest. So, you know, when you get to a red light, take some deep breaths. And Also realizing that when you have children, your yoga practice is not going to look the way that it did pre-yoga. So I can't tell you how many times I have like repeat moms who who are just like, oh, I just, I can't do yoga at home because the baby and the house is messy. And I'm like, that's okay. Like that's part of your practice now. We don't have that time and space that we had before children. So it's going to look different. And we really have to adjust that. So if you can do five minutes of yoga while your kids are playing on the floor. Great. You're going to feel better because you moved your body and you took a few moments to breathe. And then your kids might want to play along too. Um, What I do now with my, my, my younger daughter's five and she's finally getting into yoga and she loves cosmic kids yoga. So I'll do cosmic kids yoga with her. And I'm like, okay, well I got in my yoga today and you know, there were toys (laughs) all over and, She was kind of running around, but I felt better afterwards. Mm -hmm. So releasing expectation and just doing what feels right in the time and space that you allow and letting go of these expectations that don't actually exist. Mm, I like that. What's the the cosmic kids yoga? I haven't, I haven't heard of that before. Is that something that kids can do? It's a, it's a yoga Mm -hmm. program for kids. Yeah. It's on YouTube. And she has a ton of videos. She's been doing it for a long time and they're short ones and they're long ones and they're all different themes and there's frozen and you name it, it is up there. And she took it upon herself to be like, I want to do this yoga because she saw it on YouTube and she loves it, but she would not do yoga with me in the yoga studio at our classes. So she she gravitated towards that. It's a really great resource for kids. And then also, you know, as parents, we can we can participate with them. And it's fun. What are some of the benefits that you've seen in, in your children doing yoga? Because obviously there's the benefit for yourself. I, you know, I have a few friends that have struggled with anxiety. And, you know, one thing that they've always been concerned about is passing on the anxiety to their children. And I've seen some other Instagram posts about moms talking about this as well. So is a calming effect uh, also a benefit of kids doing yoga? And have you personally seen that in, in your children and other children you've seen do doing yoga? And what other benefits have you seen too? Yeah, so but the kids in the yoga it's really interesting because I see that children gravitate towards the practice. Um, my youngest or my oldest was into yoga since she was very little. She used to just like randomly do downward facing dog when we were in there <laughs> to get coffee. It was, it was nice. cute. It was really funny. Um, but she's she's been into yoga since she was really young. And it does breed that sense of calm because she knows that she can 
take time out and just like sit still and breathe. And that affects her and how she feels. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't understand that it calms her, I don't think, but she knows that right. she feels better when she does it. And there's this sense of confidence. So she actually, for her birthday, when she was, I think, seven, she had her friends come to the studio and she taught them a yoga class. Oh, and nice. She she wrote it and she let it herself and she she made up this story and she was so proud of herself and mm. the confidence that i saw in her from that I, is huge when they realize like oh i can do this whether they're teaching a class or they're just taking you know a class on youtube there's a lot of confidence there and it pulls them away from what they're usually you know in screens and you know they're at school and they have a lot of stress right now and it just creates this imaginary world for them that's different than what they're used to. So I think kid, kids and yoga is something that we need more of in our society. Exactly. Especially with all the screens and just how busy our society is in general, it would be nice to teach them those effects. And then I'm sure that then they will be able to carry that into adulthood, adulthood as well. So that would, that would benefit mm-hmm. them. Um, Getting back into, I love how you talk about the yoga that you do throughout your day as the yoga of motherhood. I might just steal that as the podcast title for this episode because that's just so beautiful. Um, What are other things that we can do through our day? I was looking at your Instagram page and, uh, you know, some things that I saw that you show or how to roll over during pregnancy, ways to improve posture and then a gentle wall flow. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's any ones in particular that stick out to you, but I guess improving posture, you know, just as we're saying, I'm like, Ooh, I should improve my posture. (laughs) Um, (laughs) what are other things that you can do throughout your day? Uh, and maybe you could just kind of walk us through uh, what those are. So anyone that's listening, we could just follow along to whatever it is uh, that you recommend doing throughout our day. I think having more awareness of your body in space is important. And that's very similar to the practice of yoga. So the the posture post, how we stand, you know, what are what are you doing? So I like to just occasionally when I'm sitting at my desk, I actually set timers. So I'm one of those weird people that I'm like, okay, for 10 minutes, I'm going to check emails. And I set a timer for 10 minutes. And then after that, I move to the ne- next task. So I make sure that in between these projects, I get up and I stretch and I take a couple of deep breaths. Mm -hmm. It takes 30 seconds. And then when I sit back down, I just realign myself. So I make sure that I'm untucking my tailbone, that my ribs are stacked on top of my pelvis and that my ears are on top of my shoulders. And I just sit up tall. And I think just continuously checking in with yourself (laughs) throughout the day is, is really important. You know, you're cooking dinner, how am I breathing? Oh, I'm not. And then just take a few deep breaths. So <laughs> little things to add in mm-hmm. make a big difference. And I'm sure everyone that's listening is fixing their posture right now. And they're like, oh yeah, my posture was way, yeah, way out of whack. Right now I'm just like adjusting my posture. <laughs> like, ooh, am I tucking my tailbone? Or what does that mean? Because um, I used to be confused about that before I went to phys- uh, physical therapy. But what does it mean to like untuck your tailbone? So if we... If you've ever had someone sit on your lap and they had like a bony butt and you're like, ah, so those are the sits bones and we have two sits bones. Mm -hmm. We actually want to sit on our sits bones. And what we Mm -hmm. tend to do is we actually tend to sit on our tailbone and it's not really our fault. Mm -hmm. It's the way that furniture is designed. So furniture is designed for, you know, to look pretty, not to help us improve our posture um, the car is also like your arch nemesis when it comes to posture. So uh, you want to sit on those two bony portions of your pelvis and then your tailbone is untucked. So if you kind of round your spine, that's sitting on your tailbone. So you just want to kind of bring okay. it forward and then lengthen up. So just being aware of your pelvis can make a huge difference in your alignment. And another little mm. hack that I, I have like that. is... um. I have a uh, squishy ball. So just like a kid's ball, I use um, yoga tune-up balls and I take some of the air out of it and I put it right behind my low back. So right at my sports bra. So when I'm sitting in the car, everything is aligned and I don't have that kind of rounding. So it's, it definitely helps. I'm going to have to try that because I, I still have terrible posture, even though I 
I try to tell myself, oh, have good posture. But then, yeah, I guess as you're saying, I didn't know all these little tips too. So I, I just mostly knew like the, the untucking tailbone, but not, not any of these other things. So, you know, it's funny when you said that the stretching only takes 30 seconds because that's one reason why I've never stretched my entire life. Cause I know that we've heard, oh, stretching is good. Stretching is good. And in our culture of just busyness and everyone just doesn't have any time or we don't think we have any time, we think that stretching, again, it seems like there's just this big barrier to entry. And I don't, it's, it's like this mental wall that a lot of us put up, like, I don't have time or stretching is something that requires the Zen moment or something like that. But in my postpartum recovery, since I've been forced to stretch in order to heal, like literally, if I don't stretch regularly, then I'm in pain. So I've been forced to stretch, but then when I stretch, I realize, oh, that only took like two minutes, like literally two minutes out of my day. And then I just tell me whenever I don't feel like stretching, I just tell myself it's only, you know, or sometimes it's less, you know, sometimes it's a minute, sometimes it's 30 seconds. It's only this amount of time. Why am I telling myself I don't have time for this? Even if the baby's crying, like you, you have 30 seconds, right? So I don't know if you've uh, also had that kind of experience where it just seems like there's this mental barrier for actually doing something or in any of your students. What are some things that we can tell ourselves so that we know that we do have the time and space to take 30 seconds or a minute for ourselves to do this? So (laughs) I always ask my students if they go on Instagram or Facebook. And they're like, Oh, yeah, I probably spend too much time there. Like, yeah, I do sometimes. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, how long do you think you spend on social media? And you don't have to say it out loud, but just kind of think about it. Can you take two of those minutes to move your body? Because that's your yoga practice. And then Mm -hmm. I think putting it into perspective of how much time we just kind of waste um, on Instagram scrolling, and turn it mm-hmm. to do something good for yourself so you feel better makes something click. So just replacing a couple of minutes of your scroll with moving your body. I like that a lot. And that that's true. You know, I it's funny because I I've noticed and paid attention to why do I go to these social media apps to scroll or whatnot. And I know that, you know, there's that Netflix documentary on social media and everything like that. But I noticed for me, I tend to do that more when I'm tired, you know, because it's so mindless and I can't really think very well anyways, because if I've tried to replace that time with reading a book or something that's more intellectual, I just can't do it because my brain is literally fried. Um, So I think that's one reason why the social media apps are just, you know, it's a place you can go when your brain is fried and it's just mindless. But at the same time that whenever I've done stretching instead that you get all those endorphins flowing and then you actually feel a lot better after it. So I think that's a really good idea. What you said to, to try to replace that with the social media scrolling or whatnot of that. I'd love for you to talk more about your virtual uh, classes and program that you're launching soon. I know that you're, you've been gearing up to that and you've been posting a lot about that recently. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so the the program that I've created is prenatal yoga, and there are shorter classes. So the classes on the program are between 25 and 45 minutes, so they're easy to fit in. And then aside from just the prenatal yoga classes, there is what I call bite-sized childbirth education. So I do an mm-hmm. introduction to the pelvic floor, to what, what to do mm-hmm. instead of Kegels, why we don't really recommend Kegels. And there are other things we can do that will benefit the pelvic floor more. And there are things about optimal fetal positioning, all of these topics that usually do not get talked about in a typical childbirth class. So it's, it's easy to digest. All the videos are really short. Uh, there's restorative yoga for pregnancy. There's meditations. So pretty much anything a mom needs. And then on top of that, it's I'm offering pregnancy coaching. So as a birth doula, you know, I usually sit down with my clients. I answer all their questions, whatever these questions are. It could be, how do I know I'm in labor? 
What am I going to do if my water breaks? Is my water going to break before I go into labor? Um, why does my right hip hurt when I stand up? Um, whatever it is, I can support them and coach them. Um, obviously, I don't attend their birth, but essentially they have access to a doula, a childbirth educator, and a movement professional through that program. So for me, I feel like I can support so many more people that are on the journey via this program. So I'm I'm really, really excited about it. It's been it's been a journey to get here considering I've never I've never done anything online since you know the world ended last year. Um, so it, it's been a journey, but I'm really proud of it and I'm excited to put it out there. Mm, I love that so much. So I know uh, we're starting to get towards the time that we're going to do our little yoga session, but I'd love to ask a personal question that we always ask all of our guests, which is in line with our motto that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. So I'm not sure if you really had a specific moment or kind of like an aha moment, or even just, even if there wasn't one defining moment, but an example of a time where it just kind of reinforced your belief and awareness that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but then you were being a good one? Yeah. So I would say I didn't really 100% realize that until I had my second kid. Um, As you know, having two kids really, really changes everything. (laughs) Um, But I realized that I was doing a good enough job and that by taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. I was a better mom. And, you know, I'm, I think I might be a little bit of a workaholic, so that played into it, but I was just burnt out. And in my mind, I felt like I should be doing all of these things. And then I realized I have to take care of myself and I have to step away for that. And everything Mm. else doesn't really matter. Like I, I would say last year really like, let me let go of things, like how clean my house is and how productive I, I think I need to be. I just need Mm. to be good for me and then I'm better for my kids. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and we're not ending the episode yet. Um, We're just going to reposition ourselves so we can do a little yoga. So if you're listening to the audio version, April is going to guide us so you can follow along just listening. Uh, But if you want to watch as well, you can listen or you can click, sorry, you can click the link in the show notes to watch the video version as well. Or you can, you know, you could just keep on listening as well since um, we're going to set it up so you can do that. So we're going to go ahead and start seated and we're going to find that neutral pelvis that I was talking about previously. So you're going to just untuck some of that flesh from underneath you and really root down those down into those two sits bones. Once you've done that, just let the belly relax, stack the ribs on top of your pelvis and your ears on top of your shoulders and see if you can get a little bit taller. Take a big breath in through the nose, expand the lungs. And as you exhale, exhale through the mouth. Do that one more time. In through the nose, out through the mouth. And then if it feels comfortable, breathe in and out through your nose. We're gonna do some diaphragmatic breathing and then we're gonna add in some core connection. So you're expanding your lungs. And as you expand the lungs, as you inhale, I want you to feel this lift in your rib cage. So the ribs are literally a cage and they lift up and out. So we want to feel that expansion on the inhale in the side body and in the back of the body. And as you exhale, the ribs soften down and exhale everything out and just let go of any holding any tension in your body. Inhale, the ribs expand. Exhale, they soften down. So when we breathe this way, we're tapping into our body's natural relaxation response, and we're also starting to work our pelvic floor and our deep core. So you can kind of think of your diaphragm and your pelvic floor like a jellyfish as you inhale, 
they gently press down like the jellyfish is swimming down. And as you exhale, they gently dome up. So there's a release on the inhalation and a gentle lift on the exhalation. Now with that, we're gonna add in our core connection. On your next exhalation, lift the pelvic floor. Bring the belly button in and up. And as you inhale, relax the belly, soften the pelvic floor. Exhale, pelvic floor lifts. Belly comes in and up. Inhale to soften. So as you bring the belly button in and up, we're targeting the transverse abdominal. So you may feel that wrapping around from the back towards the belly button. And don't force it, just feel whatever you feel, that's okay. And then on the next inhalation, I just want you to soften everything. Sigh it out through the mouth. Placing your hands on your knees, we'll do some seated cat-cow tilts. As you inhale, bring your heart forward, press your tailbone back, lift your gaze. And as you exhale, round the spine, lift the pelvic floor, hug your belly in and up. Inhale, everything softens, gaze forward, press your tailbone back, relax your belly. And then as you round the spine, chin to chest, lift the pelvic floor, hug your belly in and up. Just move with your breath. So we're engaging and we're softening, we're strengthening and we're lengthening. Eventually, you're gonna find your way back to center and you're just gonna change the crossing of your legs. Just place the opposite leg in front. You wanna keep everything nice and balanced. Bring your arms down by your side so your fingertips or your palms are touching the mat next to you. You're gonna keep your left hand planted. Inhale the right arm up and over. We're just opening through the side body. And then you'll inhale, come back to center. Exhale, open the opposite arm up and over just moving back and forth a couple times. We're just opening the side body so you can breathe a little deeper. So this is a gentle core workout that we're doing. We're targeting the deep core. The deep core includes the pelvic floor and the diaphragm. Eventually, you're going to come back to center. You can release your hands down by your side and transition into tabletop. So moving into hands and knees. Your wrists are under your shoulders or slightly forward. You're going to spread your fingers out. And you're going to take your knees just a little wider than hip distance. If you're expecting, you're going to make, want to make sure you have plenty of room. We're going to sink back into child's pose, arms extended forward. Inhale here, let everything relax. As you exhale, press up towards tabletop, round your spine, belly button in and up. And then as you inhale, you're gonna sink back into your child's pose. Let everything relax. Exhale, come up to round the spine in table, hug belly in and up. Inhale, sink back. Follow your breath. Feel that deep core engage as you come up and press the floor away. As you send the hips back, relax. Inhale, engage, float up around the spine. The next time that you land in child's pose, just pause here for a moment. Take a cleansing breath, inhale deeply, expand the lungs. Exhale, sigh it all out. We're gonna float into tabletop position. Shoulders back, 
lengthen through the crown of the head, lower belly in and up slightly. So we want the deep core on. We want to make sure that we're not sticking the tailbone up towards the ceiling, but instead we're lengthening it towards the wall behind us. We're going to take the left foot back behind, toes down to start, right arm reaches out in front. So in this position, you want to make sure you're stable, your hips are square to the floor. You can stay here or you can lift the left foot off of the mat, reaching through your right fingertips, pressing through your left foot. Breathing here, lower belly in and up, core is on to protect your back. and then release that down. Take a moment and just rock the hips side to side. Finding your way back to center. Lengthen, lower belly in and up. Turn your core on. Right leg goes long. Start with your toes down to start. Sweep the left arm forward. Reach through your fingertips. If and when you feel ready, you can lift the right foot off the floor. Press through the heel, toes are pointing down. And then release. From here, you're gonna find downward facing dog. Curl your toes, lift your hips. Take a moment, find your alignment, lift your tailbone towards the sky, push the top of the mat away. So we're gonna come into a plank, but I want you to keep your hips lifted, belly hugged in. If you see any coning, you're gonna go ahead and drop your knees for the modified version. We're gonna inhale and then exhale, come forward into a high plank, hips stay lifted. Press your hips up and back. Exhale forward. Inhale back. Do that two more times. You can always drop your knees to modify. When you're back in your down dog, you're gonna take your feet wide, take a soft bend in your knees, lift your tailbone towards this guy. We're getting a nice stretch through the pelvic floor. And then you'll slowly walk your hands towards your feet. Little forward fold here. Knees are wide. Just rock a little bit side to side. Come on back to center. Keep that bend in the knees. Take your hands to your thighs. You're gonna roll your spine up, starting with your tailbone and your pelvis. Head is gonna rise last. Once you come to stand, roll your shoulders up, back, and down and just take a moment standing tall. So you're gonna take a wide stance wherever you can, just as wide as feels comfortable for you. You're gonna pivot your toes forward if that feels okay on your knee. And we're gonna to start to come into what I call wave squats. So these are great for the pelvic floor. We're focusing more on setting the hips back than we are coming into a deep squat. So what we're gonna do we're gonna reach the arms up as you inhale. Exhale with your arms pointing towards the sky. Inhale, send your hips back and down, coming into your squat. And then you're gonna exhale, squeeze your glutes, press through your feet, come to stand, arms sweep up overhead. Inhale, hands come back, hips come back and down. Exhale, float back up. So you're moving with the breath. Same breath we started with. And the breath is moving with the pelvic floor. Inhale, come down. Exhale to lift. If you ever feel like you need a little bit more help connecting, you can blow the exhale through the lift forcing out all the air, you'll feel a little bit more engagement. Take one more squat. And just reach up towards the sky. 
Relax your arms by your side. We're gonna step to the back of the mat once again. Keep your feet nice and wide. Stack everything on top of your pelvis. So even though you're standing, you want that neutral pelvis that we talked about. Your sits bones are pointing towards the floor. Your tailbone is slightly untucked. Ribs are stacked on top of the pelvis, shoulders, and then ears. Press through the feet, sweep the arms up, reach for the sky. And then you're gonna take your hands to your heart, bend your knees, bow forward, lift your tailbone towards the sky. Take your hands to the mat, return to your downward facing dog, walking the hands to the top of the mat. Bend the knees, lift the tailbone to the sky. Take a big breath in, let it go. Go ahead and drop the knees. Take the knees nice and wide, toes touch, send the hips back. Just taking a couple of breaths here in your downward facing dog. From this place of stillness, just thank yourself for showing up for this practice, for taking a few moments out of your day to move your body. And take one last deep breath here together. Inhale, expand the lungs. And exhale, let it all go. Thank you so much for sharing this practice with me. I hope that you take time out of your day and move without any expectations. Whenever you're ready, you can come on out. How are you feeling? So much more relaxed. Good. Yeah, thank you so much for doing that. And then I meant to also ask how everyone can find you on social media and if they want to sign up for all of the virtual programs that you're offering, where they can do that. Yes, the best place to find us on social media is Instagram. That's where we're the most active. Um, Instagram currently is Unfold Yoga OC. Um, at some point, that will be changing to Unfold Motherhood. So right now, Unfold Yoga OC is where we're at. Um, we are also online, unfoldmotherhood.com. Everything is on our website. Um, as I always tell people, if you can't find something, just email me because things are always changing. Perfect. Thank you so much again, April. I'm so much more relaxed and I'm so excited to incorporate yoga throughout my motherhood and day. So thank you so much again for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. It's good to see you.